Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This past week, I have been from Los Angeles to Cleveland, Ohio, to San Francisco, and then late last night, I flew back to New York for the weekend, only to return to Los Angeles on Monday afternoon. Before COVID, I would travel like this all the time. It felt normal. I had been doing it for about seven years. In many ways, you get used to it and you learn to love travel and you start playing the loyalty program game. And before long, it's just old hat. And during the pandemic, Debbie and I decided that this was great to finally be still, to be in one place, to not be running through airports, packing bags, schlepping things. And so we thought we're going to change our lives when this pandemic ends. This is our stand. And then the pandemic is not over, but certainly shifting into a new phase. Work has picked back up, which on the one hand, I'm incredibly grateful for. And on the other hand, I just don't know that I want to continue living like this. Always on the road, going to two or three cities a week. I mean, it's great, but it's also exhausting. And the older I get, the less tolerance I have for this kind of dazed and confused exhaustion where... Many mornings I wake up and I wonder, what city am I in today? Which certainly happened in Cleveland. And then I looked out at that sort of gray rust belt expanse and thought, "Mm, no, I know where I am. From Luminary, this is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. I am Roxanne Gay, your favorite bad feminist. On the Roxanne Gay Agenda, I talk about something that's on my mind, and then I talk with someone interesting to find out what is on their mind. On this week's agenda, 
personal and cultural jet lag. <laughs> Cameron Esposito, welcome to the Roxanne Gay Agenda. Hi, Roxanne. Hi. For those of you who may not know, Cameron Esposito is a very funny person, but you don't have to take my word for it. There is plenty of evidence. You should just check out their stand-up special, Rape Jokes, which is brilliant and uh, engages a subject that I'm really interested in, which is, can you talk about truly difficult subjects with humor? And the answer is, if you're smart enough. Exactly. <laughs> and very few people are as smart as they think they are. Exactly. Yeah, that's, you know? that's it. We, yes. <laughs> or you can watch old episodes of their TV series, Take My Wife, on Stars. Or you can listen to their podcast, Query, where they interview LGBTQ folks about, well, life and being queer and making it in this world. Or you can hear their voice on the animated movie Bear Bears, where they play Ranger Tapes. Or because they're a terrific writer, you can read their memoir, Save Yourself. Here is an excerpt of them reading it themselves in the audio version of the book. This is a book about the small, worried guy left backstage. It isn't a sidebar to a straight person's rebirth. I don't give a makeover or plan a wedding or get a couple back together. It's not a tragedy. I don't die at the end of this book having finally decided to kiss the girl. It's honest and bumpy and scared and sexy and real. Cameron Esposito, welcome to the Roxanne Gay Agenda. Now I'll say hi, Roxanne. I just hi. got excited. I was happy to see you. So oh, no, you can you say hi as many times. I'm excited <laughs> to see you, too. Uh, where are you this morning? I'm in Los Angeles. Mm. And when you were speaking, what was coming up in my chest was <laughs> the loneliness mm -hmm. um, that I have felt. You know, I've been I started live performance when I was in college. So it's actually been a little over 20 years now for me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has included pretty extensive travel. And like you, the pandemic, the height of it is the first time I have been home that long in decades and also into my entire adult life. Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize that the reason other people were able to have like stable friendships and hobbies is because they knew where they were on a yeah. particular day when they woke up. Um, so I've been really working on digging into normalcy the last couple of years, which has been a beautiful experience for me. But I will say I love travel. I am a meditative walker. So I mm -hmm. walk cities a lot as a way of working through um, intense anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I've I've been so many places and really like seen them been in the streets of those places yeah mm -hmm. exactly and also i've been there by myself mm -hmm. <laughs> which you know that it, the loneliness of travel is something i think about quite a lot because i can't remember where i was recently and i just thought i don't think i've ever been so lonely in my life because yeah. I was there for less than 24 hours. And so when I'm going to be in a city for less than 24 hours in general, I don't really reach out to anyone I know there. And then I get back to my hotel room or I go sit in the hotel restaurant to have dinner. And I think, oh, I should have called such and such. And wow, what was wrong with me? So how are you adjusting to this sort of getting back to the road? I understand that you just came back from Ireland. Rural Ireland, too. So there was Ooh. so before there was even a plane, there were like trains through green rolling hills because um, ah. because Ireland is a stereotype of itself. <laughs> it really is like, the, the number of sheep. It's it's as many as you think. It's a few more even. But before that, I was doing some touring 
I went from touring to Ireland. And before that, I've been in Vancouver for the last six months working on a TV show. And before that, I was in Atlanta shooting a movie. So I really haven't been home in like 10 months. And when I was in Vancouver, I was there for a longer, stable period of time. So I really did have like a huge social life, which felt amazing to be able to be in a different city and like incorporate that, which was really beautiful. Yes. But I think a lot of the experience of traveling for work is just being unwitnessed, mm-hmm. like living a life that is unwitnessed. Mm-hmm. I have seen things and been places and had things happen. And the only witness is myself. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's also a pretty human experience for anybody. I mean, I'm thinking about like people who stay home and work in the house and provide childcare to their kids. Mm-hmm. Like that's an unwitnessed experience for a lot of folks. So I think there are a lot of things where we're just the only witness to our experience. And I don't know that we talk about that as a culture. That's interesting. I've never thought about that, but you're right. There are these moments where we have these experiences and no one's there to to know it. And of course, I will come home and tell my wife about it and it's great. But that sort of thing that happens in this weird travel vacuum, we all just sort of carry that. But you mentioned the TV show. So I know that people will be interested because when I found out you were on this TV show, it was like, now that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting, too. (laughs) So what TV show are you on and what is your character? What are you doing there? So I'm currently on a TV show called A Million Little Things, which is an ABC drama. And my character Greta is a tattoo artist and a love interest for one of the main characters of the show. Mm -hmm. Grace Park, who... Really? (laughs) I thought she was straight. Well, I mean, yes. Yes, she is straight. But uh, her character, Catherine, is having an experience on the show. Um, But Grace is like somebody I've been a fan of forever because she was in Battlestar Galactica, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite shows of all time. But she also is a star of Hawaii Five-0. She's this like Hollywood stamped hot person, you know, hot Mm -hmm. femme woman. So it is wild to me that I got cast to play opposite her in a in a network drama. Yes. People that look like me aren't usually cast as love interests. No, I mean, I mean, it's I'm surprised only because I know things are changing, but I did not guess that the old guard was sort of in this place where they could show queer stories. It's wild. So how do you feel about that? Do you think that this is a sign that things are improving? I feel a couple different ways about it. Personally, it's been a pretty huge moment for me. You know, I've been in big giant movies. I've performed live. I've like I just have done so mm-hmm. many different types of things. This is my first time being in a drama. And I think there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I am gender non-conforming person. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of masculine energy, but I also sometimes feel like a woman. I identify as gender fluid. Mm-hmm. I have like, I like to wear makeup, but I wear makeup in a way that to me feels like David Bowie or Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. I have like kind of fucked up punk rock hair. I'm wearing <laughs> men's clothes because I got to, you know, to ask wardrobe for what I want. And um, comedy, part of why I think I'm so funny is that I've been pretty othered my entire life Mm -hmm. because people didn't know how to take me. Mm -hmm. I'm like a failed woman or a too small guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've gotten a lot of feedback for that. 
bullying as a kid and mm-hmm. then I think I'd call it like harassment mm-hmm. as an adult. And comedy is a great way to disarm people. I mean, I am very funny mm-hmm. and that is a great way <laughs> of sort of undercutting my standing in my power. Mm-hmm. It's also a great way to survive. Yeah. It's it's fun to be around, you know, like I'm so happy I have that skill set, but I also think that at this point, you know, 20 years into being funny <laughs> for a living, not just like I think I got to a place where I was like this is sad a little. There's a part of this that's sad. Like yeah. It's just to say to somebody, like, this is who I am and it's not funny, mm-hmm. that I hadn't had a chance to do yet. And I just was ready to do that. This show came, I, I like got that audition, this audition the week of my 40th birthday. And DJ Nash, who's the show creator, wanted to go with me. I don't know. You know, I mean, it just was like a, it's a, feels like divine mm-hmm. um, inspiration here. It's been amazing to be on the show to like do things like take my shirt off with like a sexy score underneath and I, and I'm supposed to be on TV and you're not supposed to laugh at me um, and at how my haircut might not match what you imagine my body might look like. Um, I'm the object of desire for mm-hmm. this main character. Like my character is not chasing her. Mm-hmm. Her character is interested in me. It's like actually affected me a lot as a person doing this job. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year. Equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. One of the things that you bring up for me is that when we talk about sort of progress, oftentimes we just say, oh, there's a queer person on this mainstream show, but we don't talk about what their storyline is. And I love hearing that it's not some weird, unrequited, pining after the straight girl thing, that you're the object of desire, <laughs> as you should be. And it's, <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It is a huge deal. You know, I think that a lot of times when you're masculine of center, People don't know what to do with you. And so they either ignore you or they treat you as the butt of the joke. They misgender you. I, I cut called sir every single day. And I just like look at my <sighs> boobs and I'm like, what? What? And my hair is curled and I'm fine with it. I'm butch. It's fine. What? I'm, I'm Actually, I'm not fine with it, but it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to lose my shit over it most days. But it's always interesting that people see what they want to see in other people. And when you sort of confound their gender expectations, they can get incredibly upset. And so historically, how have you carried the sort of gender expectations that people put on you? And how do you find your own way to who you are now as a gender fluid person transitioning into acting in a drama yeah. and getting back on the road? Like, how do you do that? Because I think a lot of us wonder, like, how do I get okay with myself when I have to accept that the world may never get okay with me? Oh, my God, that's such a good question. Some of the audience on this show, really happy to see me. They're really happy to have this character. And then some of the audience is like very pissed <laughs> that this character exists and that I'm the person playing this character. And I don't even think there's a um, recognition of like why that might be. I can kind of see in mm -hmm. the like stuff that comes through the Internet that there's like a we don't know why we don't like this character, but there's something. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I I. I know why you don't, because it's my lived yes. experience is that <laughs> that I am ch challenging for folks. And the thing that, you know, where I've really, I don't know how to feel open, unarmored, mm. kind in the world with the amount of experience that I've had feeling attacked and marginalized. Mm -hmm. But what I will say mm -hmm. is that as I got tougher and thicker skin over the years, mm. the world wanted to fuck with me more. You know, like I, mm -hmm. I chose stand up. We all, everybody knows <laughs> stand up <laughs> is a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, anti-trans. Like this is, it's always been that way, probably always will be that way. Also, those are my, you know, those are my friends, those are my peers. I chose to insert myself into that group as a job. Mm -hmm. And I'm very good at it and I'm successful. But who, mm -hmm. why? Why are you doing that? And I think for me... Yes, like, why would you put it, yourself in that situation? Yes. I think for yes. me, I think I was on a path of, okay, if the world wants to fight me, I will fight back. But in the last couple of years, I have been working on softening because I'm exhausted mm -hmm. and I'm tired of fighting. And I also don't want 
people to fight me. So what I've been doing is trying to build um, a closer group of friends and community that know who I really am and that don't want to fight me on it and really Mm -hmm. worry the most about those people. Like I have a rule now Mm -hmm. where I don't talk about anything on stage that I haven't told somebody interpersonally because I used to just kind of take my pain to my job Mm -hmm. where everybody wants to fight with me (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. fight back. And um, I don't do that anymore. What made you make that change? Because that's an interesting change. Uh, Several years ago, well, so early in my writing career, if you fucked with me, you were going to show up in a story. Yep. If you hurt me, you were going to end up on that page. And I felt entirely justified in doing so because, you know, you shouldn't have fucked with me. Yep. Like, you really hurt me. And so one day, a short story I wrote ended up in Best Lesbian Erotica, maybe 2002, very long ago. And my ex called me up and she said, I read your story. It was called Bitter Feasts. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, that is what happened. And she said, well, yes, that's what happened. But you didn't talk about your part in it. I had to really pause after we hung up and take a moment and think, what is she talking about? And then I understood with maturity that, yes, these terrible things had happened to me. But I mean, I wasn't a saint Mm -hmm. and I have to be accountable. And so from that point on, I actually never did revenge writing again. I will write about people who have harmed yes. me, certainly. But I do it with more context and not generosity, but fairness. So, you know, I totally can understand that shift in ethics of I'm going to discuss this so that you're not like blindsided when I get on stage and start making these jokes. Well, yeah. I mean, it's also it's mostly for me. You know, I think I love what you said about revenge. I love the phrase revenge writing. I got fired from a job very, very early in my comedy career. It was like wild that I got this job. Shouldn't have had it. Couldn't believe I was there. And then I was fired. And they gave me a magnet when I was hired. And I kept it on my fridge for like 15 years to be like, I'll show them. And then a couple of years ago, I was exiting a show and the guy who fired me was in the lobby. He had come to the show and I was like, oh, my God. And he, you know, like, what are you doing here? And he said, Cameron, I've been following your career and I'm so proud of you. Like, you've been doing such a great job. And I, Mm. I was truly like what like i my life (laughs) you know and and it's this is there's many people right like all the people that laughed at me when i was a kid all of the parents that said terrible things about my body or the culture that doesn't want me to exist like like fuck you i'll put you on my fridge and i will make Mm -hmm. you sorry but this person was out there cheering for me and i think i just Mm -hmm. I realized that, like, I am doing this. Like, I am the one converting pain into fuel, and I could be the person that stops that if I want to exist in a world where I'm mining for more than pain. Like, if that's something that I'm interested Uh in. And part of what created that shift for me is also that I went through this, like, super painful divorce, and it was so awful, and I could be funny about it. I was, I had to tour during the whole time. I was like, all of these dates that were already set as mm-hmm. it was starting, I was devastated and I could be funny, but I, mm-hmm. I, I actually felt betrayed by myself because I was like, I want to cry about this, rage about this, like be, you know, dissociate. I want to spin out. I want to, there's all these things that I want to do. I want to like, 
you know, listen to the saddest Tegan and Sarah songs, whatever it was. <laughs> but I don't want you to laugh. Yeah. Like, don't laugh at this, mm-hmm. you know. And it wasn't like, yeah, I just felt I felt angry at myself for being able to manipulate an audience into thinking that this was something that I that could be funny. I was like, this actually mm-hmm. isn't funny yet for me. And so it I mean, this massively changed my life, this experience. Yeah, I mean, that's just a challenging thing to to be a public figure in a marriage with a public figure, have the marriage fall apart, be known for comedy and then have to go around the country, around the world. <laughs> and people expect that. Yeah. Do you ever decide, I know my audience is expecting this certain thing from me, but I'm going to give them something else. I'm shifting as an artist. I'm growing. I'm changing. And do you ever just decide, I'm going to do what I need to do instead of giving the audience what I know they want? Yeah, I think I have gotten there. I mean, I've... I have a new hour that I've been working on for honestly years at this point, which is pretty different for me. Mm-hmm. I developed material pretty quickly, but this has been taking like five years or something like that. Mm. Um, and that's part of it too, just sitting with it mm-hmm. um, and having it change. Some stuff is still in it. Some stuff is really different because I've changed so much. Yeah. Also, people have loved it. You you were part of this, but I released my book, Save Yourself, like week one of the mm-hmm. pandemic. And so I did all these like Zoom panels before we even knew what <laughs> Zoom was. And on one yes. of them, hardcore pornography played for into the homes of hundreds of little queers who were terrified out of their minds because we didn't know what Zoom bombing was <laughs> and there was like no safety settings yet. Oh, and so somebody yes, came in the, and yes. played like the most intense porn and I um, slammed my computer shut because that's the kind of IT professional I am. But um, <laughs> I like that. If I close it, it's gone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I released this memoir and I had these these panels that were very intimate because I was in people's homes with them. Uh-huh. The chat was going and that was still new and novel at the time. And there was a moment where I said like, oh, I don't think I could be funny about this, about something. And somebody put in the chat, oh, like Cameron thinks we like her because she's funny. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, obviously it impacted me enough that I... Like, I felt stunned because I really do think that I placed a lot of my value in um, being able to make people mm-hmm. laugh. How have you gotten to a place now where you recognize yourself and your value for more than just your humor? Oh, I mean, again, it's like it's been an exercise in growing trust in others slowly mm-hmm. and trying to tell people the truth and be more vulnerable and then notice that people want to include me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's like toxic masculinity that I've internalized or if it's a justifiable reaction to marginalization. Whatever it is, I just was never tender with other people. Mm-hmm. And I was very hard. Um, it's interesting. In high school, I was full of trauma. I was dealing with something horrific. I, I didn't know how to talk about it. I was a mess. And I also had always never really had friends, struggled to be social. And so I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but I developed a really hard exterior shell. And I was very funny, but very mean in my humor. Mm. And I would never have characterized myself like this. And during my senior year, people were signing my yearbook. And I was like, wow, 
they're signing my yearbook even though I don't have any friends. Mm. And one girl wrote on one of the, and I still have it. Um, I really like you so much and I've enjoyed getting to know you. You're so great, but you're just a little mean. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're just yeah. always like cutting people down. You don't tolerate anything. And I was like, nothing has changed. But I, wow. I, I, that really gave me pause because I'm actually not a mean person. I'm, I'm, I think of myself as kind, not on Twitter, but on like in my life. And um, so it really gave me pause. And I started to understand that I had made myself into someone like completely different. And I had developed this, this hardness. And I don't know that I really let go of that hardness until my previous relationship and then I let even more go with my current and final relationship yeah. and um, it, it's been interesting to sort of allow myself not only to be tender but to receive tenderness oh my God. <laughs> and so I was wondering do you struggle with receiving tenderness because that has been the hardest thing for me if you want to punch me in the face I mean please don't but go ahead it's fine I can take a punch but like, if you're going to, like, gently caress my face, I might fucking die. Well, so I was just wondering about that. <laughs> I could not relate more. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think just really, I just have historically been really, really afraid of being hurt. And mm -hmm. um, my stage persona also, and it, it used to be, and it still is, like, very sort of powerful, commanding, mm -hmm. um, strong voice. And then I, like, you know, get really quiet. But I just mean, like, chest out and very big. Almost like I think about it like I created an avatar that sort of goes out and stands in front of me and f defends mm -hmm. me. I used to not even wear the same type of clothes. Like, on stage, I would wear leather jackets wow. and tight pants and offstage, I would wear, like, pajamas. <laughs> um, and this person that's been fighting and defending me, and I'm, I'm so grateful that that person exists, but it did feel like a magic trick or, like, a bit of a Wizard of Oz thing. Mm. But then behind that, like, if you pull back the curtain, there was nobody back there because that little kid, that little Cameron, that, like, tender person was just behind a million doors and hiding. Mm -hmm. Um I'm so grateful I have that ability to have this avatar and also wouldn't I love to develop this other person like the the real me and have people know that person and mm -hmm. it's been very hard to be honest with people I have friends there's this group of women really cool beautiful powerful women that I started having lunch with twice a week at the very beginning of the pandemic on zoom mm -hmm. and they started telling me that they love me I can't tell you how horrifying that was when that was happening, especially because I don't even know if I, you know, that it's a group of women. I always thought I was scared of men. Mm -hmm. No, no, I get that. <laughs> um, I'm not scared of men. Mm -hmm. uh, I know how to deal with men. I'm terrified of women because mm -hmm. I don't know if they I don't know if women think I get to be part of the group mm -hmm. um, also because they are who I'm attracted to. And I don't know if that is something that might be disgusting mm -hmm. to a woman. Yeah, just this, it's it's experiences like that, going twice a week and t having people tell me they love me. I was texting with one of the folks who joins this group 
this week and I said, I love you during the text. And she said, oh, my God, you said I love you first. And it really was like, that's where I'm at now. I can say I love you first. But it's taken years. That is huge growth. And it's always interesting as I grow, uh, the older I get, the more I'm able to recognize the growth. Whereas when I was younger, I don't know that I was growing all that much. And when I did, you know, I didn't. And the one thing I find now, and it's only because I live with someone, it's pointed out, it's that I still see myself as the old me while everyone else sees me as the new me. And sometimes my wife will say, that's the old Roxanne talking. Like, that's not what just happened. And it's so interesting that we get so, not invested, but so mired in these previous versions of ourselves that sometimes it's really hard to step out of it and and truly recognize, I may not be sort of at the promised land, but I'm in a different place now. And it, it's just always interesting, for lack of a better word, to sort of see that growing up, changing, evolving is not really a linear process and and it's not a, a, a tidy process. I find it to be incredibly frustrating and messy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a neat yeah. freak. So it's like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, also my, my wife, Katie, um, like doesn't fall for my mm-hmm. magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she thinks I'm very funny and, you mm-hmm. know, and strong and all these things, I guess. But I mean, I I feel like she seemed to see something that some other people ha- I had been able that I had been able to hide mm-hmm. from other people. I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty five years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry. Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. What is it like when you meet someone who truly sees you? Like, do you, do you, is your instinct to run away or run toward them? You know, I think it's been complicated. Mm -hmm. I think there are some parts of it that I have like loved and craved for so long. And then there's another part of it. Uh, right now I'm in a in an interesting moment where my life and work outside of the home is like picking up again. And then mm -hmm. also the, that's happening in the world. The world is opening up again. For a while, I just, my job is very, very stimulating and I would say even chemically addictive mm -hmm. because it's so engaging and engrossing and it's, chemically i'm altered by the jobs that i do you know i have to say i don't do stand-up but i do get on stage multiple times a week and mm -hmm. it is addictive like yes. that is what actually gets me out of the house and gets me to the airport it's like there's this and when you look out at an audience and there are all these people who have chosen mostly except for on campuses <laughs> who have chosen to be there yes. just to listen to you it's like wow this yes. is incredible. It never gets old, I have to say. And there is this sort of like dopamine rush that happens. Yep. 100%. I, the same thing is true. Like that's true in stand up. And I also <laughs> find that to be true, you know, right now in this version of this podcast, we're mm -hmm. like, we're so focused on each other. Like, th like this mm -hmm. is not, this is not how, this is such a manufactured way of being in the world staring into each other's yes. eyes Looking for an soul. hour even though it's on a computer mm -hmm. um this sort of depth and then you know being on set the experience of being on set is waiting for five hours for your scene and then somebody says to you like you have to do it right now mm -hmm. and like nail it and it, for me again these all of these things i've chosen and all of these things i like are things that light me up and make me feel like i'm on fire which is kind of how i feel in the world anyway mm -hmm. like i have i have so much um anxiety but also interest joy like i'm such a i'm just like kind of an on fire person um mm -hmm. with a an addictive personality and so when i'm in these situations actually the world quiets down and i feel normal like i feel oh, uh, interesting relaxed this mm -hmm. is you know a lot of people will say when you do stand up i don't know if people say this to you in, about reading i bet they do they'll be like oh my god i don't know how you do that you get up in front of thousands of people mm -hmm. or hundreds of people or whatever it is and it's like i don't know how you're alone in a room with yourself because for me <laughs> that's torture but being in front of that number of people it feel like it's stressful it's i feel on you know i feel in the flow it's the only time where the way I feel on the inside makes sense. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank God, there's a reason for all of this. That's um, interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, I don't love it. I mean, I, I'm i afraid of public speaking, but I've figured out a way to make it work for me. Right. And so in many ways, I actually try not to think about the audience, because if I think about the audience too much, I'm going to get too nervous. Um, and then once I get in the flow and in general, I will generally find my flow in the first five or 10 minutes. And then, you know, we do, sometimes it's an onstage interview and you have to sort of be entertaining. And I, right. I, I have figured out how to entertain 
a hundred people or a thousand people or five thousand people. It's, I can do it, but it's a challenging dynamic for me because I'm a writer, and in many ways, I'm a writer because I never ever in life wanted to be on stage or in front <laughs> yeah. of a camera, and this yeah. has been the most bewildering like turn of events. <laughs> it's just like, wait, you want me to do what? And there you are in the L word. I mean, I mean, shit chatting. I will say that shit shit was fucking fun. It was my first time on a TV set and I had a little honey wagon Uh and like the hair person was on point. Like it was such a great experience. And I got my SAG card. Yes, that's (laughs) right. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Like that made me think, I think I would do this again. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Right. I mean. I hear you. There are different types of people. When I'm on stage, it's like a spiritual experience for me because mm. I feel like I can run the program of the material that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But there's another, there's like a heightened version of myself that's behind that, experiencing all of the different bodies in the room and tuned into what is happening and what they might need. And then the greatest thing in the world is if something happens in the room and I can bring it into the set and talk about it. And again, I think it feels like a magic trick for folks because it's like, oh my God, Cameron's up there, but they're also here. And and I, um, I mean, it's all very heady, but it's like how I experience God, to be Mm -hmm. honest. So it's very, it very much works for me. And the whole reason I was talking about any of this to begin with is that I have been living this one particular life in my relationship of being seen and Uh being at home. And now this part of my life has turned back on. And I'm in a new moment of transition trying to understand how to go from at home with a person who makes me feel safe and seen to reincorporating that life and that person into this other version of me that's like a lot bigger and um, messier Uh and wilder. Do you find that transition back and forth to be challenging? Yes, it is totally challenging. Yeah, I think it really, really is. I once interviewed an actor who said that when he comes back from filming a movie, his long-term girlfriend, like seven, eight years, uh, basically tells him that he needs to go be alone for a week to leave that character that he was just playing behind and get out all of the sort of adrenaline and, you know, the power of being number one on the call sheet and stuff. And remember that he needs to bring his ass home so that he can be at home and be a partner that she's been away from for so long. And, And I've never forgotten that because it makes a lot of sense, like to go from that intense environment of being one thing and then recognizing, oh, no, that's actually my job. And this is who I am. And my, you know, my family needs me to come back down to earth now. Uh, No, I think that's right. I mean, I think, again, this is like a a position of of enormous privilege because it's incredibly unusual. Mm -hmm. Like very few people get to do this. Mm -hmm. Very few people are that actor that then has to go home. Um, And and I I think that's true for me, too. I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's like a roadmap for how to be a person that's functional and also be somebody who gets to feel like this turned on by career. I always try to remember like when I'm feeling like woe is me for whatever reason or 
just like frustrated or overwhelmed, often really it's just overwhelmed by the staggering amount of work that I've chosen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it's all me. Um, yes. I always, I, I try to remember, like I, I'm truly one of the luckiest people in the world. Like it's so rare to, to be able to do anything as a writer beyond just sort of like hope and dream and to, to have an actual viable career that has lasted for more than 30 seconds. I don't take it for granted. And I know that you don't either and have been doing this for quite some time. What's next for you? Um, do you hope to stay on a million little things? Yeah, I always want to say it's... a million little lies. Do you want to continue doing some dramatic work? I know you have your podcast query, your stand up. And so I would love to know, like, what's on your future agenda? I, I don't know if you have this experience. Can you tell when you're in a moment of leveling up? Oh, absolutely. Is that something that you can tell yes. about? Yeah. So when I got to LA almost 10 years ago, there was this year where like nothing happened. But I got my first stand-up booking on late night TV one year to the day after moving to LA. And in that moment, it was a like a watershed moment in my life because it was like this set went so well, a weird amount well. Nobody's first, it like uh -huh. people wrote about it. And then suddenly I was like in everything, like overnight. There were like five or six years of that where everything was going so fast and there was no break. Uh -huh. And I had a lot of things happen um, that sort of felt like it was a time to do some personal growth. Uh -huh. um, and now it just clear to me that like something's bubbling up again in career. So we don't know yet if A Million Little Things will get another season. If there is another season, I will be on that. Great. There's like no question in my mind. Um, but uh -huh. it might not be that. Like it might be something else. Something is something is going to continue to happen. I have like a feature film that I'm supposed to direct. I have a, some TV shows that are in various processes of being sold. It just feels like there's going to be a next thing. I don't know what uh -huh. it is yet. Are you ready for the next level? Fucking, I don't, you know what? Yes, actually, I think I am. What a great question. I love that all of this is happening for you, Cameron Esposito. It's just <laughs> so, so exciting to see someone great doing great things, both personally and professionally. It's a real delight. Thank you for joining me here on the Roxanne Gay Agenda. It's been wonderful. It was so good to talk with you. You can keep up with me and the podcast on social media, on Twitter at rgay and Instagram at roxannegay74. Our email is roxannegayagenda at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. From Luminary, this Webby Award-winning Roxanne Gay Agenda is produced by Curtis Fox. Our researcher is Yesenia Moreno, and production support is provided by Caitlin Adams and Meg Pillow. I am Roxanne Gay, your favorite bad feminist. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. 
Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 